Welcome to the podcast for Wenton Baptist Church. I pray God uses this message to bless you in Jesus' name. We are in our Galatians series, and I hope that uh, you're enjoying this as much as I am. Uh, Galatians is a wonderful book about freedom and grace, and I hope that you're going to see after our book study uh, God's heart for freedom, God's heart for grace in your life and what that means and what he wants us to experience. God wants us to experience grace. He wants us to, spe- to experience freedom. I want to give you an idea, uh, kind of an illustration about that grace and freedom, and it involves sea turtles, of all things. Yes, sea turtles. There's a picture of here, uh, the sea turtles. And uh, if you've ever been on the beach before, you've seen little sea turtles. Maybe you've seen the, the, the nests, at least. And so there's a whole big operation going on all across the U.S. and all along the coastlines to protect these little guys. And uh, the sea turtle eggs, you know, I have a friend of mine in Wilmington that's really deeply into protecting and saving the sea turtles, right? And I don't want to get into you know, too much, too deep into the weeds on that. But sea turtles are important. And, and this, does this have to do with the Bible? Yes, it does. Uh, and the book, especially the book of Galatians. So sea turtles, uh, a little bit of science here. Sea turtles are the building blocks uh, of the food chain that we humans enjoy. They're not just cute little animals that we want to save and rescue and see them go to the ocean. There's a lot more to it. These guys, uh, we got a lot of guys that love to mow grass in our church. These guys are the grass mowers of the sea. You see, there's beds of grass all around the ocean, the seabed floor. And the more these little uh, seabeds grow, uh, the more they need cutting. And if you have longer, taller grass, it's harder for larger mam- uh, marine life to bed down in the, the, the grass beds to, to flourish and that kind of thing, to breed and flourish. But if you have the sea turtles, they're going to do the chopping for you. They're going to chop up the seabeds, and they're going to chop up the grass for you and keep that grass cut. They're very important. So that's why there's an effort to free these guys, to let them go to the ocean where they're supposed to go. So they got about a 50-yard run from the, where they hatch their eggs, right? You've seen the, maybe you've seen them on the beach before, and the, the, the humans put up their little posts and say, watch out for the sea turtle nest here because they're going to hatch eventually. And so it's very important for them to get to the ocean. But there's a lot of challenges there. Sometimes there's challenges by humans. Uh, humans don't uh, do what they're supposed to do, and they uh, harm these little guys sometimes. Or maybe just in the surf, there's uh, just you know, sharks that are waiting to get, uh, you know, get them, to prevent them from getting to freedom. And so uh, that's, it's kind of challenging for them. But in a lot of ways, uh, this is kind of like our freedom too. We're trying to get to freedom, and Satan wants to take away our freedom in Christ. He wants to kick us to the ground and with bondage and a tainted gospel. If Satan can pollute the gospel, we're going to talk about this today. If Satan can pollute the gospel, if he can corrupt it, we're never going to get to where God wants us to go. We're never going to get to the ocean of freedom that God wants us to enjoy in freedom and true grace in Christ. You see, Galatians is about freedom. And it's about God's heart as seen through Paul's, the Apostle Paul's words that he wants Christians everywhere to experience true freedom in Christ. And so there are three cautions we're going to look at this morning in our, in our text, beginning in verse 6. And we understand that there's going to be a, we've got to be careful as we look at uh, this gospel because a lot of times 
There's false gospels everywhere. There's a, a corrupt gospel that's just kind of lurking, waiting to take away your freedom everywhere. So we've got to be very cautious about what the gospel we take in. And secondly, we've got to understand that there are consequences for those who teach a false gospel. There are consequences for them. And thirdly, we must understand that we don't need to seek to please man more than we seek to please God. And the first caution is this. We must be careful because false gospels are everywhere. Watch what Paul says here in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. Read with me here, if you will. He says, I am amazed. Let's see. I'm amazed at that music that just started at that point. Absolutely. Things clear all there. It had that little red red, There you go. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Okay, so Paul is uh, writing to the book of Galatians, and he really gets into it quick. In all of his other letters to other churches. He is putting a greeting forth, and he's saying, I thank my God for you when I remember you in my prayers. I'm so thankful for you. Paul didn't say that with Galatians. With Galatians, he gets right to it, and he says, guys, I'm astonished. I, you know, none of this flowery language. I'm astonished that you are so quickly turning away to another gospel. And so we see the seriousness of Paul's language in this letter. I'm astonished. This is troubling me. And he just talked about, even beyond the, the troubles and the ills of the Corinthian church, he even gave flowery, you know, good language to them, and he was thankful for them. But for this church, he was astonished. He gets right to it. Guys, there's a problem here, and we need to fix this problem. And the problem is you are deserting the truth of the gospel. And so the, the gospel, the word there means good news, was that here's the good news, that Jesus died on a cross. We heard it. We heard it through and through. Jesus died on a cross and, and so that he might forgive us of our sins, and we are saved by grace through faith. That's the, the complete gospel. But the Judaizers wanted to come in and say, you know what, there's more you need to add to this good news, this gospel, uh, to earn God's favor. You have to do certain things, and, and uh, you have to embrace the Mosaic law there, and like we looked at last week. And so they were turning away very quickly. And the phrase there, turning away, or metatethemi, means to desert or go to the other side. Now, he was writing to Christians, and he was saying to these Christians, Christians, you're, you're going off of God's side. Now, you're not on God's team anymore. Why are you going uh, to the other side, to the enemy's side, if you will? Why are you doing this? He was giving uh, here image, imagery of, of these Christians going to the other team. They were going from one side to the other. They were deserting. We might think of in a military or in an army, uh, deserters or AWOL, absent without leave. It had not completely happened yet. They were in the process of deserting. The King James uh, uses the word deserted. It's past tense there. Uh, but the, the more modern translations use uh, present tense deserting in, uh, because of the scholarship that's happened since the King James has been, has been uh, published. Uh, so they reflect this change that is, that's continuing, continuing to happen, at least at this point. So what were they deserting? What were they changing, switching sides to? They were switching sides to, from the true gospel, and they were replacing it with a false gospel. In many cases, they were mixing ideas. We have the word called syncretism, 
and they were mixing ideas of the false gospel and the true gospel. And kind of, it was kind of a mishmash, a mishmash of, of various beliefs uh, that the Judaizers were telling them. And you say, okay, okay, I, I appreciate this, Pastor Derek, what you're telling me. What in the world does the Judaizers have to do with me living my life right now in 2021? What, what's, what's the point of telling me about Judaizers? Well, the point is this. We have other Gospels that we believe as well uh, in our modern time. You see them, one of those uh, on the screen there. And there are Gospels that we have. We misinterpretation uh, of God's truth, and it kind of works its way in. Okay, it kind of works its way into what we believe. And we go from our, our whatever we've taken in from many preachers we've had, pastors we've, with teachings we've embraced, uh, it's all kind of mixed matched together. And maybe perhaps there's some, some, some things there that, we need, that need adjustment. And so what is the pure gospel here? And one of these teachings, and comparing these ideas, I'm going to show you some of the gospels that we might have embraced. Maybe you've embraced these false teachings or teachings of a false gospel. And one of the first ones is this. It's the gospel of WWJD. Now, I'm not saying here that, that you need to go home and throw away all your WWJD bracelets and all those kinds of things. That's not what I'm saying. But the idea behind WWJD is what we call situational ethics. And so it, it basically presents the idea that, uh, or, or another way of looking at it is moralism, uh, that if you're good enough, uh, you can be saved by being good. Just be like Jesus and you can be, you'll be okay. That sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds wonderful. Uh, what would Jesus do? I'm driving in my car. I'm driving 70, 70 miles an hour. Gee, what would Jesus do right now? He would slow down, wouldn't he? We, we, we hope that's what our brains would say, right? You see, we're, we're, we're beholden to whatever our minds comes up with whenever we talk about WWJD. There's, there's a weakness to that. It kind of sounds good, but the idea is, if we all we talk about is do like Jesus would do, if you just like Jesus, you're going to be okay. Live like Jesus, you're going to be okay. What would Jesus do? Well, the problem is, the problem is with WWJD is it limits our thinking to what, would G, what Jesus did, okay? And so the problem with that is Jesus was, a, was the perfect God-man. We are not. We are messed up. We're broken. And so when, we, when our thinking goes to that, sometimes our minds might come up with something different. That's something really Jesus would not have done. But our minds go, well, you know, Jesus would have done that. Jesus would have, uh, Jesus likes to eat and he would have ate that steak. You know, sure, Jesus would have done that. And so our minds come up with this, these ideas of WWJD. There's a danger there. It's almost, a, it is a false gospel. And so the true gospel, because we're broken and we're messed up, is... Uh, is that Jesus is our substitute. He uh, died as the righteous, perfect God-man, and that he died in our place because we could never be as good as Jesus. Amen? We could never be as good as Jesus. So when we throw out that WWJD, we've got to understand, wait a minute, I can't, I can't be as good as Jesus. So why am I saying what would Jesus do? Because I could never be as good as Jesus. It can permeate our thinking as Christians. And this letter was written to the Christian church, okay? Written to the Christian church. If one begins to think, hey, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And you follow it out to its conclusion. Oh, wait a minute. I'm broken. Ah, I'm not sure I could do what Jesus did. Look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 7. He addresses this. We ultimately come to this conclusion that Paul came to when he wrote this in Romans chapter 7, verses 16 through 25. He says, now if I do what I do not want to do, stay with me here, 
I agree with the law that it is good. So now I'm no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do. See a pattern here? But I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now if I do what I do not want, I'm no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discover this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. Paul understands that he's broken. For in my inner self, I, de- I, I delight in God's law. What would Jesus do? But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin. I'm broken. I can't do what Jesus did in the parts of my body. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Here is the solution. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my, with my mind, I, myself, I am serving the law of God, with my flesh, the law of sin. So maybe not, what would Jesus do? Maybe, what or how did Jesus do it? We need to change, change it up a little bit. How did he do it? What's the spirit of what Jesus was doing, right? How did he do it? He did it in the power of God. We can live in the power of God. We don't have to live in the power of the flesh. You know, we're just left to what we come up with in our own minds. It's dangerous. But we understand how Jesus did it. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a standard that we can see that we, we live in grace and freedom. Jesus lived in the power of God. We live under the grace and freedom now of uh, what Jesus did on the cross. He did it on the cross. Here's another gospel. The gospel of everybody's good, okay? Everybody's good. We're all saved. Uh, you know, it means that you do you. You've heard this phrase. A new, this, is, this is new now. You do you, and I'll do me, right? You hear that a lot. That's the gospel of everybody's good. Uh, we can all coexist together. Maybe you've seen this bumper sticker. Coexist. That's false. We cannot coexist together. We can't believe X and believe Y, and both X and Y both be true. There's a standard. There's a standard. We can't coexist together, and all of us get along and be one big happy family. Why? Because there are absolute truths in the world, and they're backed up by the Word of God. You see, if it's, if it's true, if I'm okay and you're okay, and let's all get along and be happy, kumbaya, why is there a cross What's the point of the cross if we coexist together? The reality is that we are sinners in need of a Savior. There is a reality of the cross. The true gospel says that not all will make it to heaven. Not all will be saved. The wonder of wonders, hear me out, is that anyone is saved. And that, dear friends, is why we have the cross Look at what Matthew says, chapter 7, 13 and 14. Jesus said this himself. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many, say the word many. There are many that who will go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life. And few, say the word few, few find it. No one is perfectly good. We need Jesus. We need the cross. There's another gospel. First Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5.21 also says this. I'm sorry. 
It says, and this is the idea of the substitutionary atonement. Jesus takes our place. I'm so glad Jesus took my place. I'm so glad. For our sake, he made him who to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus never sinned. That's basic theology. Jesus was the perfect God-man. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. We need Jesus. The sinless God-man took my place. I'm so glad that he did. That's the reality. That's the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Forgiveness was made available to you and I. That's the gospel. And also, there's the gospel of got to have it. This will sting a little bit, or a lot. Much of our culture in the West is materialistic, and the church can easily fall prey to this false gospel, woven into the true gospel of grace. We justify getting more and more to fill the seemingly empty space within our hearts. If only I create a space there, uh, like a, dis a distant home or a cabin or a, a new car, then perhaps I'll, uh, a new toy, then I'll have my needs met. But this is a false gospel because none of them, we know this, can truly fill what aches in our hearts. None of them can move the needle for very long. The new, the new that we have, the shiny new, right? It, once again, what happens to the shiny and new? It becomes old. Uh, later on becomes problematic the minute you drive the car off the lot the value goes down right we know that it does you know but it also becomes something we have to repair again that car that you're driving down the highway you you drive over a pallet you're you're going to have to repair that hubcap that the wheel fell off of happened to me it happens we have to take care of things. We have to store things, repair things. So it's been said that, uh, if you'll agree with me here, the greatest things in life are not things. They're not. So let's, let's not pursue that. Let's understand the true gospel is God has given us everything we need in Christ Jesus. He has. Can we, can we say that, church? It's so hard to say, even in this beautiful uh, church that God has given us, and there are those, there's a church called the Church Without Walls. I'm, I'm not saying this is wrong, but may we stop and pause for a moment and say, what are we after? The gospel of gotta have it. Jesus is what we need. There's also the gospel of uh, gotta go get it. We love a good competition, right? We love to get after things. The hustle, the hustle of uh, of hard work, and, and we see, and, and hard work is good. Scripture talks about hard work, but we got to go get it. The next thing is the gospel of the got to go get it. We love things that hard work brings, but what about the, the expense of the, at, at the expense of the gospel of grace? Uh, do we got to go get it and step on everyone on our way to the top? We spend more time at work than anything else in our lives, and our children suffer. Uh, our, our, our relationship with our, with our spouse suffers. We got to go get it. Got to you know, get in the in the the wheel of the hamsters, we got to keep turning that wheel as we're running in it. We've got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, get it, get it, get it. What does that do for the gospel of grace? Your fate will be the same as everyone else's. You're going to go from killing it at work. You're awesome. Boy, they, they really kill it at work. They're just they're such hard workers. And then 10 years later, you'll, you'll be a used to be. Well, they used to work hard. Uh, they used to uh, be a hard worker. And then you're just in the same boat that someone else is. You see, what happens is we don't have to worry about uh, chasing after it and got to have it and got to go get it. Jesus says from the cross, it is finished. 
It is done. We need to stop striving so hard. We need to understand that God has done the work on the cross for us. That doesn't mean we don't stop working. Again, I'm not saying that. But if we do more and more and more, that's all we pursue. It's our greatest passion. Then we've missed our greatest passion God calls us to, and that is to rest in his grace and the fact that Jesus has finished it on the cross. That's for the church. Now, this is also for those who are not in the church and who don't follow Christ. And it's a good refresher for us as well. There are other false gospels out there. And this is kind of getting into the isms of our day. And we're just going to touch on what some of these isms and groups believes, simply believe about Jesus. And here's the first one, Mormonism. Okay, Mormonism. Uh, they believe that Jesus is a separate God that did not atone for man's sin. Okay, that's one of the isms. False gospel. Jehovah's Witness, for example, they believe that Jesus is not God, uh, and he, but he died on a stake rather than a cross. Again, it's not the true gospel. Scientology, uh, you might hear about their reading rooms, that kind of thing. Come, come to the reading room and sit down and read. That's kind of their, their, their angle there. Jesus is rarely mentioned. Uh, there are famous Hollywood stars that are Scientologists, and they pay to get to certain levels of thetans, and not, we can get into the weeds there. Uh, but they believe he didn't die for our sins. That's not the true gospel. Islam, if you have people who are Muslim, uh, they, they don't believe that Jesus is, is the Son of God. They believe he's simply a prophet. Uh, he's, but they don't believe Jesus is equal to God. That is a false gospel. We must understand that. We can love those who, uh, any of these people God calls us to love, yes. But when it comes down to it, will they go to heaven? There are not many ways to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. There were several billion Muslims who need the gospel. And they need it in love. They need our love. We need to love them to Jesus and show them that Christianity, that Jesus is more than a prophet. He's the Savior of the world. Hinduism. Hinduism they believes that Jesus is a teacher or a guru. Uh, he's, a, he's the son of a God like of the thousand gods that the Hindus have. They believe he did not rise from the dead. Uh, or he did, they don't believe he, he died for our sins. That's a false gospel. Buddhism. Buddhism believes that Jesus is not God, but an enlightened teacher. Okay? These are all false gospels. Okay? We need to understand what the true gospel is. Jesus Christ died on the cross and he died for our sin. And so this is important for us to know and preach this gospel to those who would receive it. And many uh, claim to say, you know what? Jesus never said he was God in Scripture. You can't take me to a, a letter and verse where it says that Jesus said he was God. Well, okay, I'll give you that. Jesus never said the phrase, I am God. He never said, you can't say that in Scripture. You can't take me to a phrase. He says, I am God. But there are, there's a passage, uh, and many passages, we're going to focus on one, where Jesus points out the fact that he is God. It's very simple here. In John chapter 10, verses 29 through 33, he was talking to the, to the Pharisees uh, about being God himself, the Jewish people. Watch what he says. Watch the context here. It's very important. If you ever come across this conversation in, in your life where people say the Bible doesn't say that Jesus is God, yes, it does. And here it is. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. Greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And the Father, I and the Father are one. Verse 30 there, very clear. I and the Father are one. 
Again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. Why would the Jews pick up the stones? Because he claimed he was claiming to be God. He, they understood. The Jews clearly understood he was saying he was God. Why can't we? Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these works are you stoning me? And here's what they say. We aren't stoning you for a good work. The Jews answered, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. There it is right there. Jesus, they even see that Jesus is claiming to be God. So if the Jews clearly see that, yes, Jesus is claiming to be God, we can simply say to ourselves, here it is in Scripture that Jew, Jesus is claiming to be God. It doesn't, it doesn't say specifically, I am, I am God, but it does within the context. We can point folks gently with the truth and point out the truth to them. Yes, Jesus is claiming to be God here, or else they wouldn't stone him. So yes, he's claiming to be God. And so therefore, we should follow at his feet and worship him as God and Lord. He is the 100% God, 100% man, the perfect God, man. Jesus is God. And therefore, he can die for my sin and your sin on an old rugged cross. We can praise him and worship him and receive him by faith through, through, through the grace, grace of God. That's the freedom in Christ that God has given us. It is not a false gospel. He is God. We also must be careful because the consequences of preaching a false gospel can be severe. Paul goes on, on, on in verses 8 and 9 of Galatians chapter 1. He says this, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you, a gospel contrary to what you have received, a curse be on him. Now we're throwing out this word today. You're hearing it a lot. Gospel, 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 gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. When you hear that word gospel, it means the good news. What is the good news? The good news is Jesus came down from heaven to earth to save you and I from our sins because we could not get up to heaven. And he offers that as a free gift to us. That's the gospel. We simply believe in faith and receive that as, as a free gift. It's not a free gift if we have to do something for it. Uh, it's, it's like taking a gift from someone. Hey, uh, here, I want to give you this Rolex watch. And you say, well, no, don't give me that. Uh, because let me give you, you know, several thousand dollars for this Rolex watch because it's an expensive gift, and uh, you shouldn't have to give that to me. It's a free gift, but, but it's, it's not a gift then, right? If you pay for it, if, you have, if you're giving something back in return, it's not a free gift. The same with the gospel. It's a free gift. We don't have to earn it. That's what the gospel means. So it's the responsibility of the teacher of the Bible to teach the good news of the gospel. It's the good news and teach it accurately. Whether there are intentional or unintentional deceits sometimes going, going on when someone teaches it, a person goes down a dangerous path if they teach a false gospel. And there are ministers out there, there are folks on TV who kind of seed the gospel with some other false truths. You know, Paul uses one of, one of the perhaps saddest words in the Bible when he describes uh, what is to happen to this person who is teaching a false gospel, and it is anathema. It uses the word accursed. May he be accursed. Paul here is invoking God's final wrath and judgment on those who distort the gospel with mosaic laws or requirements. Not just men, but even angels. If, if an angel was to do it, let him be accursed too. We need to be careful about who is teaching the gospel. 
We don't like death, for example, or uh, when folks face certain death. So to hear that phrase, let him be accursed, is kind of scary, right? And you, the, the electric chair, the death chair, we don't like folks to experience death. Okay, it's just one of those things. It's the sting of death. Yes, there's an electric chair, and people, are, there's justification for those things. understand that. But it's awful. It's, it's a horrible thing, and it's, it's why judges put it out there so that we won't commit crimes, right? Death is awful. James says this in chapter 3, verse 1. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. One of the last things in Scripture that we are commanded to do is to not add to the teaching of God's Word. We must present the whole counsel of God in Revelation 22, verse 18 through 19. Watch what it says here. This is John. He's saying, I testify. Okay. I was in prison at one point. And that was a little early, but uh, hang on there. <laughs> We're almost there. Uh, so uh, the, the gospel here, the, the warning here, Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 through 19, says this, I testify to everyone who hears these words, the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life. And the holy city, which are written about in this book, don't add to the gospel. Finally, we need to be careful that we don't please men more than we please God. Paul ends here in Galatians 1.10. He says this, for I am, now try, am, for, am I now trying to persuade people or God, or am I try, striving to please people? If I were still trying to, to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul was referring back again to his accusation. Hey, you're not legit. You're not a true apostle. Paul was saying, you know, yes, I am. God called me. Uh, Jesus uh, met me on the Damascus Road there. So we uh, went to, Alice and I, as you know, we went to a place, uh, we went to Mount Airy uh, over the weekend, and went to a place called May Mayberry, and there's a jail, and if you don't know who Andy Griffith is, my son didn't know who Andy Griffith was, so it's just kind of that generation. Uh, so I guess I'm old. Uh, no, not really. So this is a jail, uh, May Mayberry Jail, right? This is where they had that, so I'm kind of getting doing the pose there, and and God wants us to be free. He doesn't want us to, want us to be imprisoned by sin. Uh, and also in Mount Airy, there were these people. Uh, it was kind of in the midst of the festival there, right? There were just tons of crowds. You can take it down. It's fine. Uh, you can take the, the photo down. Please take it down. Uh, <laughs> okay. So we were there, uh, and there were, I don't know, several thousand people there. But on the, side, on the corner, there were these people, uh, these believers, with these bright neon signs. They're saying, you need to be saved. Uh, Jesus loves you. Uh, you need to repent of your sin. They were just simply, several of them were holding signs on the curb. They weren't being boisterous or, 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 or you know, vocal, things like that. They were holding these signs there. They were presenting the gospel. They were presenting the true gospel, and they were having conversations with folks as they walked by that were willing to engage. And I appreciate that. They were very bold. I haven't seen this in a while uh, on the street. So it was very bold of seeing that. There, there are many opportunities for us to share the gospel, the, the true gospel. Now, will we give in to a lesser form of the gospel, or will, will we stand true to the true gospel, where Jesus saves sinners by his grace through faith? God, give us opportunities to share the gospel. God, may we be, be more bold to those who are willing to stand on the street corner and hold a sign. Would you do that? Would you do that in love? Uh, there's, a, there's folks in, uh, in, in Powellsville, I believe, uh, Pastor Matt, uh, they began what's called a waving ministry, and they just wave at people going by, going by out on the front porch, you know, of the church. I think it's very bold to do something like that, 
and it's 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 uh, developed an attention there, uh, making 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 waves. Uh, what are we doing to make waves for the gospel, for the for the true gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? I pray that we learn to do that uh, and have fun with it, but also know that people are the reality is there's a hell, and people are going to it. So God calls us to share the gospel and share it well and share it with love and grace. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.